Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. I've got uh, Max and Terry joining me out of the goodness of their hearts. Gentlemen, how are you? I'll I'll start with I'll start with Terry. You doing okay, man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, man. Um, good to be on. A few technical uh, issues getting on, so glad I could make it. Which wasn't a sure thing this week, but let's be on. Well, it, it wouldn't be a, a, a Toffee Blues recording if we didn't have a, a few behind-the-scenes technical issues and sometimes very much on-the-scenes technical <laughs> issues. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just the way it works. Uh, Low-budget entertainment, people. Um, <laughs> Max, you doing okay, man? Slightly nauseated after celebrating Halloween last night, but I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, Closest to, to nauseated I got last night was maybe eating a little too much candy. Yeah. See, see, Max, it's a little different when you've got kids because you have to take them like trick-or-treating and it's all about them. And then you get home and you're totally exhausted. So At least you've got sweets to eat, you know what I mean? Ah, uh, that's true. You better look at the silver lining. I had a little glass of wine and then I watched The Exorcist. That's... That's my thing. I watched The Exorcist on Halloween just because I, I haven't found a, a better made scary movie. So I plan, I plan on watching that soon. That, was, that got discussed on one of the, you know, you know Joe, the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah. That got discussed on the, one of the latest episodes of the Joe Rogan podcast, just like basically complimenting it for how advanced it was for the date it got released. And I need to, I yeah. need to give it a watch all the way through. Sounds like an absolutely fantastic film. It's, yeah, I've read the book as well. Yeah. We have that at the house. Yeah, it is hell. It's, it's, <laughs> you don't want to watch that too young, though. I mean, mm. like I did. Jesus. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, Terry. <laughs> oh, no. I was, no one, no one, no one, um, none of my family did it to me. It was uh, a friend's house and I was a young teenager, but yeah, not a good, not a good time. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah, Max, just so you know, it's not really a jump scare type of movie. No. Um, a lot of young people that I know that have watched it, and sorry to group you in with young people. I know you've got an, a very old, mature soul. But, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, they, they watch it and they don't consider it to be, like, scary because it's, it's, it's a lot of psycho- psychological, mm. uh, you know what I mean? Psychological and, uh, Yeah, and it works, it works on the level as, like, a really good drama as well it's just a good well-made movie just really smart i watched the conjuring as well and i compared the two because the conjuring is one of those modern good horror movies that everybody yeah people point to it and say that's one of the good ones lately and the conjuring it's interesting because they're kind of explaining the whole exorcism process and they're kind of doing it for the benefit they're they're trying to make it seem like it's for the benefit of the family they're working with but really it's for the audience and it's like spoon feeding, mm. and I like uh, when a when a when a film respects its audience. Yeah. You know what I mean, and just does does it more like real life. You know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, there's all these weird like circumstances around The Exorcist too. Like opening weekend in Italy, like a, a, a cross plummeted to the ground, like in a in a town square, like across from the theater. Just weird, crazy things mm. like surrounded that that yeah so and then there's like 
there's there's rumors that the the actual there was a a case that the the story was based on the novel written was actually based on so weird weird um anyway and if this isn't accurate it's been years since i've checked this out so everybody screwing me over on the podcast and jerry's an idiot maybe i'll learn so <laughs> anyway uh scary nonsense not, notwithstanding we have managed to make it Let's hope Max, uh, the ale, allows Max to continue. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's, let's summarize what's happening for podcasters out there because they're the ones who are listening right now. Um, we're going to start with a preview of the Brighton match this weekend because that's that's who we're playing. So why would we preview anyone else? Uh, then we'll go into a starting 11 segment. It's what we always do. We try to predict what Marco's going to do. Um, if Marco calls, we got to be ready. You know, we got to be ready to give him our advice. So, yeah, we'll run that down. And I think the big question is going to be, uh, you know, is a certain gigantic Colombian going to make his make his appearance? And we've delved into a little bit of that on our winger segment this past, earlier this week. Uh, but we're going to delve into that some more, I'm sure. Um, and then we got to talk about uh, 60 Grand. we got to talk about Mr. 60 Grand, Seamus Coleman, hell of a guy, Maybe not having the best little stretch of uh, form right now. So we're going to talk about him. A lot of Evertonians have been chiming in on Seamus lately. And we're going to finish with If You Know Your History. It's the Everton quiz-based program that pits Terry versus Max. Uh, with the the golden the gold medal of being able to pick the tune to close the show, awaiting the winner. And if it's a tie, a boring tie, then Mr. Boring himself, me, will pick the song. All right. So... Let's get into the Brighton preview. Right now, they're currently 11th in the table with 14 points. They're really close, guys. They're really close <clears> to <throat> us. They're breathing down our neck, and I don't like it. Um, four, two, and four is their record, and their past three matches have been 1-0 wins over uh, Wolves, Newcastle, and West Ham. Uh, consistency, and I feel like when Brighton wins games, 1-0 is that's what you would guess. Uh, so, guys, they run that four... 4-1-1 formation, I believe. Uh, they're a pretty defensive team that likes to be opportunistic on the offensive end. So, Terry, you want to start off uh, talking a little bit about uh, about Brighton, and then we can go into possible starters? Yeah, I mean, they're an all right team. Like, they don't get a lot of respect because, you know, they are quite a small club. They're unfashionable. But they've got a very strong, hard-working unit, I, I think, which is the key to their... Success. There's no stars really at Brighton. There's it's built around a good goalkeeper in um, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, the centre backs Duffy and Dunk. Obviously, we know about Shane Duffy. He's come a long way since he was at Everton. Mm. Um, got Glenn Murray up front. He's doing well. Um, he he's been he's pinged around a few clubs, but he's always seems to he didn't do too well at Bournemouth, but he's 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 doing all right at, um, at Brighton and. This is going to be one of those games that we struggled with a lot in recent history under, under different managers. I'm not even pinning it on one manager because they're going to come to Goodison. They're going to be compact. They're going to be strong. They're going to be organised. And we've got to figure out a way to break that down. So I think the type of player who's going to be crucial in this game will be the likes of Bernard and Sigurdsson rather than the direct running type players like your Walcott or your, uh, your Luckmans because they're not going to have the space that they would like to run into because they're probably going to set up quite deep to frustrate. 
So, I mean, it's a big test. It's a good. It's, do need to win these type of home games with the away games we've got coming up. We've got really strong away games coming up, really difficult away games against strong teams. So the home games against the likes of Brighton, you, we really do need to be making these count and getting the three points at each one. Yeah, uh, Glimmery also killed it at the Wilmington Hammerheads. Just saying. Uh, that guy's played in a lot of different places. Uh, <laughs> he's the one I have the family connection <laughs> to because my sister and her husband are friends with him. My sister's husband played with him at the Hammerheads, so it's like they always they know of him as being like really young. And I'm like, he's one of the old guys in the Premier League. But then again, I'm older. So, uh, But he seems like he's the one who scores goals for them, always. And if it's not him, it's Pascal Gross. But guess, who, guess who's out? Mm. You know, so if you look at Danger Men, I feel like you you say Glenn Murray. You know, I mean, Knockhart's a pretty is a, is a solid player. He might need to be start though. I don't think he started their last game. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a it's just one of those teams. It seems like they're just like they try to be patient, 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 and grab their opportunities when they can. Um, Max, what are you thinking about this? Uh, about this Brighton squad, uh, I was waiting for that Glenn Murray connection to get to get mentioned. It was just, I knew it. It, it on, has it to on, happen. It was on countdown, wasn't it? Waiting to come out. Yeah, it has to because you know why? I got no other connections. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like I remember when I went to primary school with, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Insert British player here. Uh, it, you guys know all of them. You're like, hey, I went and got chips with you know Leighton Baines the huh. other day we went and watched Arctic Monkeys together you know that kind of crap you guys have that I got nothing no, <laughs> just... <laughs> Glenn Murray got a, obviously got a storied history but with Brighton spent many years there and is a, is a proven goal scorer that has shown that he can get goals consistently at the top level and is something that we need to look out for um, back to front I think Brighton are due a lot of respect under Chris Hewton they, they become a real strong unit and I think any side who comes up and manages to stay in the league, you know, is due respect. From for, as I said, from back to front, Matthew Ryan, who impressed me when he was at Borussia Dortmund, that centre back partnership as well. Um, funnily enough, I met Shane Duffy while he was at Everton. Top lad, got nothing but respect for him, and wish him all the best in his career. Um, but as we, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> you guys, as, as we mentioned, another key injury: Pascal Gross and Davy Proper as well. So they might not be able. Oh yeah, to pull, the, pull the strings as much as they'd like in the midfield, and hopefully that bodes well for us in terms of taking control of the game. However, I do feel like I know they play in similar colours, but I've got a feeling this might be very similar to the Huddersfield game at home, where they try and contain us, where they frustrate us, where they're rough with us and we don't get yeah. much, um, we're going to have to be patient and we're going to have to grind. And like Terry said, those close control, magic players almost, Bernard, Richarlson, I'd even lump in with that. You know, They're, they're going to have to have good games to unlock this, this side because they are, as I mentioned, they do a lot of respect and they're hard to break down. And opportunist is a, is a great way to describe them. And Jose is weird though as well, who's a Colombian international, but fantastic player. You know, they have got some really good talent and, you, you know, you've got to be cautious of us, uh, as Teddy said as well. Big games coming up that ideally we want to be seeing points come out of, but we know it's ever and it's never that straightforward. So we need to, you know, rack up points where it counts, and this is a great opportunity. Yeah, uh, as you guys mentioned, uh, Ryan probably starting, uh, Bruno uh, on the, I guess he's on playing right back. 
Duffy and Dunk in the center. Bong. Probably rolling, rolling around at uh, left back. Uh, Jahan Baksh playing on the wing. Stevens and Kyle in the center. Izquierdo on the left. Sally March. Uh, at kind of that right behind the striker position. And uh, English Jink Tosin starting up front. Because <laughs> uh, let's be honest, that's what he is. <laughs> um, so uh, prediction time. What do you got? Who's going first? You know what? Who wants it? I'm going to go for 3-0. I don't think it, it won't be as 3-0 sounds. I think they'll make a really good game of it. But once they concede, I think we'll break through. And then that, that'll be it. They'll have to come out and we'll start taking advantage. So, 3-0. A respectful 3-0 if there is such a thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, then just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, got, I see where you're going. I'm just messing with you. I've got, gone for a more respectful, like, a more respectful version of a three. And I've gone for a three-one. I do think they're going to catch us out. Uh, I don't know what fashion it's going to be in, really, because after that Crystal Palace game, it, it's, it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining by any means. It's nice to see us not play our best yet, still get the results. And if we could do it every week, you know, I'd love it. But we should, you know, strongly be the better team here. Technically, have more of the ball create more chances. So in that, I do think we're going to create goals. But, you know, it's Everton always. I think we're going to get caught out at least once. Uh, I'm going 2-0 Blues. I don't know. I just I just don't think they're going to score on us. I don't know. I, I just don't see a lot of offensive weapons on that, on that side. So, yeah, 3-0, 3-1, 2-0. We're kind of... We're all thinking Everton wins this, you know, comfortably. Not like skin of the teeth, just comfortably. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's it for our Brighton preview. (laughs) Guys. Uh, who's going to start this weekend against Brighton? Who should? Who, what's what's Marco going to do? Okay, I think uh, we went with Terry last time. So, Max, start us off. Who you got? In goal, Jordan Pickford. Left back, Luca Dean. Centre back, Kurt Zuma, Michael Keane. Right back, Seamus Coleman. Central midfielders, Idrissa Gay. Andre Gomez, just in front of them, Gilfie Sigurdsson, front three of Bernard, Cenk Tosin, and Richarlson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All three of us are going to be different, guys. Are they? This will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, what is the... Uh, the pro- Are you thinking that he's going to throw uh, Bernard on the opposing side? Has he played that opposite side yet this season? No, I'm not. I'm not too sure, but I think I think he'll give them the license to roam, particularly mm. in this fixture at home. Chance, you know, a real chance to, you know, to 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 grab a convincing victory, to score some goals. I think this, you know, as I said, he'll get he'll give them to freedom to express themselves, and whether he starts on the right on the left or if it changes, I, I just think it's a it's a potentially really creative from three. With Tosin there as, as the clinical finisher. 
Right on. Okay. Terry, what do you got? Not too different. Um, Pickford in goal. Um, Seamus Coleman right back. Uh, Luca Dean left back. Got um, Keane and Zuma at centre back. Um, I know there's calls for Yerry Mina to start. I understand that, but I just wouldn't wouldn't change them at the minute until forced to do so. Um, midfield partnership of Adrissa Gay and Andre Gomez. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson in front of them and a front three of Bernard Richarlison retaining his position through the middle and uh, Adamola Luckman on the right-hand side. So really only the one difference from uh, Max and that's just because the three substitutes in the last three weeks, I think one of them's going to come in. They've all done really well. I, I think Luckman is probably just going to edge it just because I don't think... He'll start Tosin against Duffy and Dunk. He's more the type of striker they're going to prefer to play against. Whereas Richarlison may not be. Obviously, Richarlison didn't, wasn't very good at leading the line against Man United, but he was very good against Leicester, against two very big, strong centre-backs. So maybe it'll work the same way. I don't know, but that's the main lineup. I'm just rethinking my whole lineup, and I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, you guys give very good reasoning for why you're doing what you're doing. Um, uh, Pickford in goal, Coleman on the right, Keane, and you know what? I've had a bug up my ass thinking that he's going to roll with Mina just to give him some experience before Chelsea. I think, I, I don't know, the idea of just having him roll in there without having worked with Keane very much. I don't know. So I, I think if you're going to start him against anyone, Brighton is a solid place to begin. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to try it. And if I'm wrong, I'll cry myself to sleep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I mean, really, I yeah, Keane and Mina in the middle. Uh, why not? Uh, Dean on the left. Uh, Gay and Gomez, Sigurdsson. In the center. Um, and, yeah, I'm going really boring. Walcott and Richarlison on the wings and Tosin up front. Um, I feel like uh, Tosin up front. I, I'm, I'm a little – I would have gone Lookman. I'm just worried too many changes. Right now I've got two changes in this lineup. Mm. And I don't know if I've put the right ones in, frankly. Uh, but I do think before changing out Walcott – having Tosin in there to possibly hold up play and make make our guys a little more part of the attack a little mm. bit more and kind of unify the group a little bit more and have him hold up the play a little bit better than Richarlison did. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, that's my thinking on that. Uh, I totally hear you, Terry, on not changing it out. Um, it's kind of, do you... I asked this one time a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. Are you of the the philosophy where you line up, uh, you know, you see the other teams line up, and then you give them something that is similar to that, or do you give them something where you're thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to give you a speedy guy if you got two slow guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the issue is Richar- uh, Richarlison might not be able to hold up the ball at all, but he may be able to completely burn past them. You know what I mean? So I think it's – I've never fully understood the best way to form a lineup when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't believe in 
that the old school sort of mentality of you don't change, you know, I mean, a winning team kind of thing. And I know we lost to Man United, but I always think no two teams you play against are the same, no two games are the same. So I think you should, if you get, if you're able to, sort of adjust your team within reason. Obviously, not like five or six changes each time, but to better combat the opposition. So it could be that he goes with Tosin because Tosin is a very, very good foil for other players. Even if he's not scoring, I always think he does really well and links well with the other attacking players. But I just think I think he sees. I didn't at first, but I think he sees Richarlison. As a striker, um, and I think he this is probably the best chance he's got to in the next upcoming games where he'll really you know do some damage because of who he's playing against and the mould of players that they've got in defence. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to give him as tough a time as Man United's defenders did, and they're not going to give him as tough a time as Chelsea's got would do. So I, I I'm just the virgin on. He'll stick with Richarlison and then possibly go back to Tosin in the next game if it doesn't, unless Richarlison absolutely, you know, smashes it against uh, Brighton. But I don't know. I don't know. I just can't see. It. I think if he's made that move, Richarlison into the middle, I don't think he's gonna flip it back out on and off like he was. Like he's not that. He hasn't proven to be that type of manager where he moves players about every which way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, honestly, I think those are the question areas, though. Uh, I don't think anybody's uh, – there are questions about Coleman, uh, but I don't think that Silva really has those questions yet compared to – so we'll talk more about that later, though. We have a, a whole segment on Coleman coming. Um, uh, but the question is uh, center back, Mina, Mina or Zuma, uh, and then your wings and striker. Those, that's where we could see uh, – it's interesting. In the past, all three of us have been like, keep it the same. Keep it the same. Yeah. Winning team, <clears throat> don't change it. But now, because we're coming off a loss, yeah. And, we, and yeah, so I don't know, guys. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. I've leant towards Tosin because he did, he did get, find himself on a score sheet on this fixture last season. And I always think that's a good indicator of if someone manages to bag against a certain opposition, then he'll always tend to give them trouble whenever he plays against them. Look at the amount of players that have a great goal-scoring record against Everton, for example. It just always seems to happen. Um, something else that I feel that we're kind of discussing is the fact we've got this African pre, well, this friendly cup for Pazer <laughs> game on the 6th of November. and. Against Gormaya. Gormaya, yeah, and we're not entirely sure what eleven's going to be fielded there. I think that's where Yeri Mina might make his first start personally. That's what Terry said last uh, in our last session. That's yeah, what I, he think, was saying. I think that makes perfect sense to me. To you know, you, I don't want to. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to throw him in at the deep end against Premier League opposition. I'm getting getting him minutes on the pitch is vital. So I think that would be a good opposition for him to play against. Obviously, I mean, he might not break a sweat, but it'd be good to see him out on the pitch and. As you always mention, Jerry, this Chelsea fixture that's coming up, he's going to have to get some playing time soon because Zuma's not going to be able to play. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just want him talking and working with Keane. That's I just want him getting that getting that partnership going. That's my big concern. I, I when I was writing this down, I almost wrote down Zuma, and then I'm like, well, you can't waffle like that, you idiot. And so, and so I was like, nope, I'm going to stick to my guns. I said it last time. I think it's a strong possibility. 
and I base it on like no evidence whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. This all this is. I feel like this is good conversation though. The idea of you know you know Max, you were saying Bernard could could switch sides and they may give him license because we're playing Brighton. Mm. You know, I think a lot of these things we're mentioning because we're playing Brighton. Oh, and one other thing, uh, Dunk and Duffy might actually make Jink Tosin look speedy. Fingers crossed. That's something that just occurred to me. I was like, you know, Tosin pulled away yeah. on a breakaway, Palace. you know, last week. So, yeah, that could that could be a thing. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, uh, I really wanted to figure out a way to get Lookman in too. You know, because I, uh, I feel like he's, I feel like he's earned a start. He'll, I think he'll see playing time, whether that's coming off the bench. I think he'll definitely play at some point. Um, right on. Okay, and if it is three nil, Terry, I think you can fully expect to see Yerimina coming in the last fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, if it, if it's if it's comfortable later on, I think we'll definitely see him. I think that would have been the case. In any of the last two games, um, I agree been, too. We just scored those goals against Palace with 15 minutes left. He'd have come in, he'd have come on immediately, but hasn't worked out like that. So, all right. Anything else on our starting eleven? No. All right. So uh, we alluded a little bit to Seamus Coleman, but we did not discuss him. It's because we're saving it. For the next segment, and that'll be our final video segment out of this little uh, this little stretch. So uh, come back for the next one, Seamus Coleman. Uh, if you've been anywhere near Everton Twitter recently. You will almost certainly have seen one person slating Seamus Coleman, only to be just lambasted by like 20 other people. And then, after the United game, other people started getting a little braver, okay? Because he's not exactly someone that it's very popular to slate. Because he's, I mean, he's just, he's awesome, okay? He's just this. He's just this amazing guy. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, and I, and I didn't even mean to, but I'm rocking the, the green, the green uh, jacket for Seamus. Didn't even mean to, but there you go. Uh, so, guys, he hasn't had the best form over this little stretch. Um, but let's discuss, okay? Uh, Terry, he's been catching some abuse. How much of this abuse does he deserve? Um, he's not been playing well. To be fair, the last couple of games, and he was, and earlier in the season, a couple of games like Bournemouth away, he's not been having some of his better games. But only by his own high standard. Like he's not, he's not been the Seamus Coleman he can be. Now I, I understand it. I don't agree with it because. I just think supporters in general of all clubs are becoming ridiculous. They've always been reactionary like football supporters, but now it's getting to the point where if you have back-to-back lesser games or poor games, you then you need to be sold and you need to you know you need to be replaced. It's not good if you're over a certain age. If you're over if you're if you're thirty or over, you're finished. 
or if you're under 30, mm. you're never going to be good enough. And it's it's ridiculous. Like he's not having the best spell of his career at the minute, but it's you know what I mean. It's like it's an isolated couple of games. He, uh, his whole body of work at the club so far is still very very good. Just having a few bad games does not mean oh yeah well we need to. I've seen I saw one person say to get where we want to go. We need to have better than him, and I'm like, oh. really, really, that's mm. ridiculous. Um, what I will say for this, for the spirit of debate, is I think in the summer, and this is going to sound really harsh on John Joe Kenny, I think we do need to buy a right back because I think we need a right back equivalent of Luca Dean, someone who will come in and will push the established guy and. Leighton Baines obviously is a bit older than Coleman, but I think another serious first team contender who, if Coleman loses his position to him, he might not get it back. But he, he got an injury, lost it to Kenny, came back straight away. And I don't think that was good for Coleman because I don't think, I think he's come back still carrying a little bit of the injury. And I think if we had someone like a Luca Dean on the other side and was keeping Coleman out, then if he had a poor game, Coleman would come back in and he would know then. Right, I need to be on my top form to keep this shirt. I want that everywhere. We've got two play, two good players in each position across the squad, but there are still some positions where there is a clear first choice where if they play poorly, it's not likely they're going to get dropped if fit. I think Coleman is one of them. I think Adrissa Gay is another one. Um, it's He would benefit from a stronger bit of competition, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous some of the stick he's been getting. He's one of our most consistent, important players. He's one of our best senior players. And as mentioned in previous segments, he's a future captain. He's got to be. I think from next season, he will be the captain at the minute. He's sort of captain unofficially because he, Baines and Jagielka are not playing. Not likely to get into the team now, bar an injury. So it's Coleman's the guy. Coleman's the leader on the pitch. So. Max... I'm sure you have uh, a, a strong opinion or two about this. What do you What do you got on this? Yeah, I, just so I, I meant it's worth mentioning. I think that was an absolutely fantastic long term assessment by Terry there in terms of bringing someone in, almost a Luca Dean of, of, of a right back to to push Coleman for competition for places. I remember when Seamus Coleman. I don't. I'm, I can't remember if it was the debut because they often get mixed up. I don't know whether his debut was the Tottenham game or not. But that game against Benfica where he was playing left back and we ended up getting tonked something like 6-1 like that that speaks volumes of the kind he he's of, obviously he's of the old guard he was, he was there under Moyes he, as Terry said he's this consistent figure that has been you know in that side no matter what for such a long period of time I think it's like near approaching 10 years he's uh, this last yeah, two years, he's had absolutely torrid luck with injuries. The injuries that he's sustained have been freak incidents, really. Obviously, that, that horrible leg break and the, um, was it, was it a fracture in his foot? You know, they, yeah. they're not, they're not nasty. They're nasty injuries to have to contend with, especially when it's someone like Seamus Coleman as a right back who's used to be in that engine, man, that man that starts week after week after week. For him to miss so much football is obviously going to have a huge impact on his form when he first starts playing. We remember that game when he first came back against Leicester and he made that sprint down the pitch towards the last part of the game. And 
I give you that hope that, you know, maybe we will be seeing the Coleman of old come back, but as things have played out, you know, they do it does look like there are a few holes in his game. Um what is he now, 30 years old? Which is uh, quite strange, considering I feel like I've seen his career kind of develop from a youngster playing at right midfield to now, where he's undoubtedly a future captain of the club. But um, he, he's, I, I don't think he deserved to be slated or or had a go at. His performances certainly deserve you know constructive criticism. Because yeah, if if we want if we want to consistently you know, perform and reach the levels that we do want to. The, the, these little holes in our game as a whole, you know, the I was asking John before about the segments, what have we got? And the segment, is Coleman a weak link? And where did like that, it's strange to think because if you, you know, go back a few years, you could argue he was the best right back in Europe. But now, with it, all of a sudden, this, this question sprung upon us that, you know, is it is it an area of the pitch that gets targeted? Maybe the standard of left winger in the Premier League increased a lot over the, the, the last few years. I think obviously the you know the the quality in the Premier League now is so much higher and obviously as an aging player it's gonna be hard to keep up with that. And to kind of, to, to end my point, no, I don't think the criticism's deserved. He's been, you know, a steward in that side. He's a you know, he's a down to earth footballer, which is a very rare thing in in today's game and he you know, he's one of us. So I don't I don't think it's right to criticise him at all. But add to the point that what uh, Teddy said earlier yeah a long term replacement needs to be kind of in the works Just on that point Chris quickly sorry Jerry when you said about the quality of left winger I think it's something's got to be said as well for <sighs> Coleman and Walcott are still quite new to each other on mm. that right hand side um, Walcott came in in January so he's not even been at the club a year and Coleman came back from injury and when was it was it, was it March February yeah. It, it feels like because they've both been around in the league for for such a long time that oh well you know then you know they've played together ages they haven't Walcott and this is not me putting the blame on Walcott but partnerships especially down at you know, down each side at centre back in centre midfield little partnerships what make teams and they are clearly still trying to figure out the right balance between each other when the um, Martial scored his goal his wonder goal against us uh, against Man United Coleman runs three steps forward and immediately starts to berate Walcott because from Wal- uh, Coleman's point of view he can't approach that player because he's got another player behind him so he, th- he feels that Walcott should be making more of an effort to, try to to make that run back and to you know pressure the player so it may just be that it's not really all down to Coleman it's more of a chemistry thing that they're still trying to find the, you know, the right balance for and that could be true of any player I mean there's some players who we we may not have even seen the best of Bernard and Dini yet because they're still quite new to each other. They're playing quite well at the minute, but who knows? They could be even better when they get to really know each other's game inside and out the way Baines and Pienaar did, and most famously. So Coleman, it may just be, is struggling at the minute because there are a lot of new players in the team, and he's you know as experienced as he is, he's not a wizard. He's got to you know he's got to figure out what other players are like and where he yeah. needs to. Where he needs, when he needs to stay, when he needs to go. Also, if you watch, <clears throat> keep an eye on Walcott when he's playing. His recovery on defense, he doesn't he doesn't sprint back often. I've seen him kind of jogging back when the other team is breaking before, and he's not actively trying to help at times. 
Uh, that's a, not. A, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement. I don't think he's always doing that, but I have seen him lack effort when when supposedly he's supposed to be getting back. Um, I just don't know what these people who are slating Coleman expects us to do right now. He's our best right back. Yeah. You know, last week he sort of got exposed by Martial at certain times because Martial's awesome. Yeah. He's really, really fast. His strength is right now sort of Seamus' weakness, and that's quickness. Seamus seems a little like he's had a little trouble getting his feet and being able to kind of contain Martial because Martial is really quick and confident. Um, so that's something the hope is that will come. I think you'll see a better performance from him this weekend, period. I think he'll look good this weekend. Um, also, I think Kenny is a better player than people give him credit for. I think he doesn't have the consistency yet. He'll have two or three good games and then just have an absolute, just a bad one. And that's because those young players, that's the way they work. They don't have consistency yet, Mm. you know? And so that's why you don't want to play them every week. You want to be able to just give them a little time and then get your main guy back in. So I'm actually, I'm not... Maybe I'm giving Seamus too much credit, but for an, or, or and Kenny too much credit. Right now, I want to see how Seamus kind of finishes up this before you know before the winter break, before uh, the the transfer window, the winter transfer window. I want to see how he performs during that stretch. If he keeps getting roasted, I at that point I would almost say we're looking for a replacement for Coleman rather than for Kenny, you know, because then Kenny can continue to back up whoever it is, but Coleman's probably going to expect to start somewhere, I would think, anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to play better, but there's going to have, ga- there are going to be those games. Yeah. You know, but we just, we have to see how many of those are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm curious if we're going to be looking for right backs during the transfer window in winter. Because it's not like we need a lot of positions. No. So, mm-hmm. you know. I'll be curious. Hmm. All right, guys. Anything else on Seamus? I feel like we've given this a thorough going over. No, I think he's. I can't. I just when you mentioned it then about replacing him, I think just the idea of of him moving on just sounds ridiculous yeah. at this point. Like it's, it's, it's. I suppose it would only touch on it because people have gone there, but it's so knee jerk. It's just. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to believe. How many players over the years, not just at us, but across all teams, would if the second they had a bad run of form or a bad few games, they were like, oh, well, we need to replace them. Imagine how many players would would, would be just on the scrap heap now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baines, I think Baines, uh, to get going. Yeah. I think he'll play better. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I've got confidence in the guy, but if he takes a long stretch of poor form, that's when you got to look at it. Yeah, it, it, the, the lad's captain of Ireland. It, as Terry said, it's it, a poor run of form by his own standards, and as far as Everton can concerned, he is certainly one of us. So, mm. you know, there's a lot more leniency there, and rightly so. All right, so uh, I guess that's it for our Seamus Coleman segment. Uh, we say be patient. We say he's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz show that uh, pits two of our contributors against each other in a test of Everton wit and might. 
Uh, this time's got Terry versus Max, and uh, so essentially this will this will work like a, a pin a penalty shootout, a PK shootout if you're from America. Uh, so yeah, so this will basically will flip a coin, and I will uh, let's see who wants to call it. This is Ted's. This is Tails. Tails. Max has called Tails because he lost the last coin toss and he didn't like that. And it is Tails. Max, do you want to go first or second? You know what I want to do. Max wants to go first. All right. So so for those of you who are listening who've never listened to this before, what will happen is I will ask Max... The question, and then I'll and then I'll ask it to Terry. Uh, since the first, since it's Max's question first, if Max gets it correct, uh, and Terry does not, it will be as though Max has uh, scored a goal. Anyway, and then it'll, the next question will be Terry's. There will be four total questions, and if it's still tied up after four, then there'll be a tiebreaker, and the winner gets to pick the song to close the show. If no one is winning at the end of the tiebreaker, then I pick the song. Ha ha ha! All right, cue. Intense quiz music. And there it is. Max, your question. Aruna Kone was at Everton for four years. Yep. He scored 10 goals. He made 33 starts for Everton, but made more appearances off the bench. How many times was he subbed on? How many appearances? Uh... That did not. That was not part of oh. my information. Shit. Um, nice one, John. You got real tricky one, Amy. Um, oh, he he made these really hard. Oh, I don't even know. Fifteen. Fifteen subbed on appearances for Max. Terry, what do you got? And you, you said how many starts he had? How many was that? St- Thirty-three starts. Oh, that's what I meant to ask. But uh, I'll stick with fifteen anyway. I'm going to go with 20. 20 from Terry, 15 from Max. Aruna Kone made 35 appearances as a substitute. Okay? So Uh, that is a block. That was in the question that he he came on more than his starts, and we've still both gone lower. (laughs) No, I know. Uh. That's a save for Terry. Terry, your question. In the 2017-2018 season, Omar Nias Nias made 10 starts for Everton. He had the most shots on target than any other Everton player that season, which lets you cry. But uh, how many shots did he have on target? Oh, God. Um, I'm going to say 40. No, 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 that's too... For shots on target, that's too high. I'm going to say... Uh, 30. I'm going to go 30 because we went an attacking team. Okay. Oh, no. Max. Not many chances created or shots. Um, I'll go for 24. The correct answer is 18. 18. 18. So that is a block for Max. We are still at... Nil nil. So, Max's question. Tim Howard holds the record for the Everton player with the most European appearances. How many does he have? Oh, you can't ask me questions like that because I know he's the record holder. I just couldn't tell you how many appearances. Um, Jesus, I, I don't, I don't particularly fancy giving an answer either because I'll sound stupid. 
Um, <laughs> That's sort of the way all these are. <laughs> I, I don't even know how many years with the Addis as well. About 10 years, wasn't it? Um, I'd say 65. 65. Terry, how many European appearances did Tim Howard have? Um, this could be completely wrong, but I've just got a feeling I may have read it. It might be wrong, but 34. Um, well, not correct, but you are the closest, Terry. It was 28. 28. Last question. Right now, it's still nil-nil. Terry, you get this one closest. You are the winner. What was... Okay, I, is it Lee Tai? Lee Tai. Why have we got a question on Lee Tai? What was Lee Tai's squad number at Everton? Oh, Twelve. Max. Twenty-four. The answer is twelve. Oh, well done, Terry. Yes, Terry wins this round of if you know your history. Uh, tiebreaker question: Who? Uh, what team did? Um, Marco Materazzi score his only Everton goal against in the 1998-1999 season. Any guesses, or you want me to tell you? I don't know. I'm going to say Leeds. Coventry. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, yeah. Coventry. So, So, Terry, as your prize, you get to pick the tune that we close out the show to. What is your choice it's very quickly very quickly I will look at my Spotify I always like to take things a little bit heavier not heavy heavy but heavier I'm gonna go with Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath and that is not as heavy as you think it's gonna be given the name and the band no no hold on which one which one Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath. Uh, so, Terry, why? Great song. Um, I've seen Black Sabbath play live with both singers, say uh, with Ozzy Osbourne and with Ronnie James Dio, who's no longer with us. But um, it's got to be said, the sheer amount of drugs and abuse that Ozzy Osbourne has put himself through over the years has affected his ability to perform. He's still legend. I was glad I saw him, but he just wasn't a patch on Dio when I saw him um, play with Sabbath. And it's just a really good song. And the reason I've picked that particular one, it's a really silly reason, is when we play out the podcast, I always imagine that there's a sort of like a a faster bit towards the end of the song that that's where we're going to stop talking and it'll just get to that bit. So if you could... You know, if you could manage that, that'd be great. <laughs> okay, I will do my best to time it correctly, okay? <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling I'll know when I hear it. Yeah, you'll you'll hear a distinct... It's it's not like, you know, heavy metal. It's not like a big, scary-ass song. It's it's more of like a dad rock type song, but... But there's a, there's a distinct bit you'll, you'll hear. I was I wanted that one, so it fades out with that. Fast Excellent. Excellent. So, uh... We will, as we as we listen to the soothing tones of Black Sabbath. Uh, that's the end of the big show. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the Toffee Blues podcast. Please subscribe to us and uh, rate us if you can. Leave us a 
leave us a, a kind review, something like Terry. I like Dad Rock, except I don't like I like to call it that. Can I call it like Older Man Rock? You know, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know any other terms for that. You know, I, I got distracted there thinking about anything called Dad Rock and worried that I actually listened to it. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think I, I think I retract that Dad Rock. It's it, Black Sabbath and not Dad Rock. I, that that's no, it'll never be that. Dad <laughs> Rock. Lot, lot different than what this is. All right. Well, let you judge for yourself, people out there listening. Um, also, check out the Toffee Blues YouTube channel uh, if you want to see our faces. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, so, also, uh, you, you can get more Max uh, on the Toffee Blues website. He has some analysis on there. So, check that out. Uh, also, Terry on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. Um, I mentioned the Toffee Blues website earlier. Just check out the site. There's lots of Everton analysis from lots of our contributors. Uh, there's good stuff there. Also, subscribe to the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. No more plugging. Uh, hopefully, this is arriving at the right part in the in heaven and hell about Black Sabbath. Uh, Terry, thanks a lot, man. Good to talk to you. Good to speak to you, man. It's no problem if it doesn't, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll work it out. Uh, Max, thanks a lot, man. Good good to, uh, to hear your views, sir. As always, great to be here. All right, gentlemen. Appreciate the time. Take care. And uh, let's get three points this weekend. And bye.